Well, a good afternoon. Hope you are all doing okay and that you have survived the season so far. That you're not, you know, overly stuffed with turkey and all the other stuff and all that kind of thing. That uh, you've had a, a good time so far. A good Christmas so far is what I would I would pray for you. Uh, and we're in that we're in that in between time between. Christmas and a new year that's that's how I I feel about it I don't know about you but after Christmas day is over and and the new year hasn't started yet I feel a bit sort of a bit sort of a bit a bit of sixes and sevens you know like oh well you know I can watch a bit of telly maybe or you know there's nothing really you kind of start one thing one thing nor the other um In the new year, uh, here at the church, we're going to have a couple of weeks sort of thinking about it being the new year. We've got Baby Eli's dedication next week. Again, just a reminder, that's that's 2 o'clock. Well, 12 o'clock for food. So hopefully hopefully you can all make that for 12. Uh, And then sort of the next week, thinking a bit about the idea of the new year and and the year ahead for the church. But then we're back into our series in Judges. Do you remember? Hands up if you still remember the series from Judges that we finished sometime round about the end of... Well, we got halfway through in the end of November, didn't we? Um, so we're in that sort of in-between bit between Christmas and New Year. And uh, that sort of got me thinking a little bit. Uh, as, Rich, as Rich was saying when he was just, just giving one of the intros there, thinking a bit about... You know, what happened next after Christmas in terms of the Bible, in terms of the, the Christmas story? So Jesus is born, we celebrate that, we talked about that at Carol's in the barn and, and when we were here on Friday. But then, what next? What happens next? Now, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give you, this is where, <clears throat> if it was on the TV, they'd say spoiler alert. You know, this is not, this yeah, if you've only read the first Harry Potter book or seen the first Harry Potter film, okay, there may be a little bit more to him becoming an orphan than, than, than you read in the first book. You know, if you're into Game of Thrones, you know, when Ned Stark is beheaded, there may be a bit more going on than just one guy having his head lopped off. Uh, uh, if you're into music and you've listened to the first four of Beethoven's symphonies, you know, there may be something coming afterwards, you know. The fifth one might be quite good. You know, so, you know the first four might not tell you the, the whole story. <coughs> Likewise, if you're drinking soft drinks and you find yourself drunk, drinking something called Six Up, you know, then, you know, just hang in there. You know, another one might just, might just get you there. Um... Because when we just hear part of the story, when we just hear some of what's gone on, we don't hear the whole story. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in the US, people have got this fairly a phrase I find a bit irritating, but it, it's true. They say, don't forget the reason for the season when they're talking about Christmas. You know, which means don't get caught up in the busyness and all the stuff going on and forget why Christmas is taking place. The birth of Jesus is what I mean. But is that really the reason for the season? 
the birth of Jesus. Is that why Christmas is so important? I mean, really important. I want to suggest to you that the reason that Christmas is so important is actually Easter. That when we're getting caught up in all the secular stuff, whether it's Christmas trees and turkey or whether it's bunnies and chocolate eggs, uh, the real reason for both, the real reason for Christmas, the importance of that is because of Easter and what happens at Easter. They're both good reasons to celebrate. They're both important things to celebrate. But the reason why we celebrate them is not the trees and the cards and the bunnies and the whatever else daffodils, whatever else Easter is um, but it's because it's part of a bigger story, part of a bigger plan it's a bigger celebration it's part of God's plan to save his people so the reason we celebrate at Christmas, the reason we celebrate at Easter the reason we celebrate at other times is because of God's plan to save his people you cannot have You cannot have Christmas without Easter. And you can't have Easter without Christmas. Uh, So we're going to think about that a little bit today, just in this this in-between time between Christmas and New Year. Uh, First of all, just the idea that the, the, the first thing I want to suggest to you, that Christmas, the story of Christmas is not the beginning of the story, it's not the end of the story, it's not a story in its own right. It's, it's a chapter in a bigger story. Uh, and the way we read it sometimes feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like we have a, um, you know, there's a beginning and an ending and uh, we read about uh, the angel coming to speak to Mary or coming to Joseph uh, and then it ends up where they run off to Egypt and come back and all that stuff. It feels like the, the, there's a beginning and a middle and an end. And I suppose that's true in one sense, but there is a much bigger picture. This stuff coming actually before and afterwards. Uh, it's very popular to think of Star Wars 4, the, the uh, first film, just very confusingly, by George Lucas, Star Wars 4. He didn't start with Star Wars 1, he started with Star Wars 4, then did 5 and 6, they went back and did one, two, three, and he's now doing seven. Okay, the guy really struggles with his maths, I guess, and just how how that all sort of hangs together and the orders in which numbers come. Uh, it might go up to nine. Maybe it won't. Maybe maybe he'll do seven, and then twelve, and then nine, and then eleven, and then we don't know. Um, Star Wars 4, it's a great film, but if you only watched that, you wouldn't have the whole sweep, the whole uh, story that you would get from, what, maybe nine films. Um, The same is true for the Christmas story. Uh, It does stand on its own. It's often, you know, it's often one of the first things that little children learn about Jesus. Baby Jesus at Christmas time, you know, they learn the nativity story and that's good and that's marvellous and that's wonderful. Um, but you don't have that whole story. So, so let's just very briefly look at that passage that Hannah read for us. That's in John chapter 3. 
and it starts in verse 26. Let me read, let me read it to you again. Actually. Uh, so John chapter 3 starts at verse uh, 26. Where have we gone? They came to John, so that's, the, that's some of the, his disciples came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Okay, they're talking about Jesus, who's, who's somewhere nearby. Uh, to this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given, from, given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. John's there, John is there reminding us that, that before Jesus was born, before he arrived, he, that he'd already been living in heaven. He'd already been with God the Father and God the Spirit for all eternity. Uh, you can see there how he says that the uh, verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth. And it goes on, the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. Jesus has already seen and heard and experienced so much before he was born on Christmas Day as a little baby. Earlier on in that, in that year, they, you know, we're there in John's Gospel. Earlier in John's Gospel it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus, and the Word was with God. Uh, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is described in the Alpha and the Omega, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's there at the beginning, he's there at the end. The Christmas story is like that one chapter right in the middle of the story with lots of stuff going on at either side. It's a very important one, because it marks the beginning of, of Jesus' existence as someone who is both God and fully divine, but also fully human, which had not been true up to this point. He'd just been fully God. Uh, and so it links, you know, the Christmas story links to this this fundamental level to all the events happening around it at the, at the other ends. Uh, the Bible spends a lot more time recording the details of Jesus' death and his birth, that's true. But the two are inextricably linked. You cannot get those two apart. Jesus was born to die. 
I suppose, you know, I mean, okay, you know, we are all born and we will all die, that is true, but really so much more true for Jesus that he would be born and that, that he would die. So, so, okay, so that, okay, so we know that this is just one part of the story, it's not the beginning, it's not the end. Uh, but, in terms of those two chapters, the, the Christmas chapter and the Easter chapter, um, without Easter, there is no Christmas. Without Easter, there is no Christmas. What do I mean by that? Uh, well, okay, why did Jesus come to earth? Why did God send his son to earth? What was the purpose? What was the point? What was he after? Let's go back to the Easter story. If you've got your Bible, just flick back over to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, part of the Christmas story. We read this when Ian was uh, teaching a couple of weeks ago. The other Ian, not this Ian. So this is Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel, this is Joseph, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He came to save his people. That's what Jesus came to do. Uh, how? How was he going to do it? Well, you know, the, at this time, you know, the people of Israel, if they're being honest with themselves, they knew they weren't okay with God. Uh, they weren't living the way perhaps God wanted them to live. Uh, that is why so many of them were going out to see John the Baptist in the desert. You know, we just read from John. John the Baptist is out in the desert and he's saying, prepare the way. Uh, he's one who's been prophesied about uh, from hundreds of years before. Uh, so loads of people are going out to see John because they know that they're not, they're not in the right place with God and they're wanting to get right. Um, and I think that's always been the same. I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think all throughout history... People have known, if they're being honest, they're not where they should be with God. I think even today, if we're being really straight with ourselves, we know that we don't live a perfect life. We say, we say that we nobody, nobody's perfect, and that's true. So God, God, Jesus came at Christmas to save His people because we need saving because. The people of God need saving. We're not perfect, and nobody is perfect, but God is perfect. He knows he's going to have to do something to save his people. He knows he's going to have to, to, to do something to, to save us, because we're not going to do it on our own. So, so what's he going to do? He, I suppose he could have done lots of things, but what he does is he sends the very best he's got. He sends the very best, the most valuable thing he has, the, the best resource, the one who he trusts implicitly, he sends his son. But he doesn't just send his son to, 
to, you know, come and, and teach and, and do all that stuff, important though that is, he sends his son to die for us. To take our punishment. To give us his righteousness. What a, what a staggering idea. What a staggering and amazing idea that God who is perfect, would send his son. That he would send his son to suffer and die for us, for, for me. When we place our trust in Christ, we are affirming both the, both the Christmas story and the Easter story. If he doesn't have to die... We don't need Christmas. If if there's another way for God to accept us, if we could earn our salvation, if we could earn and do lots of things to get okay with God, if there was another way, then Jesus would not have had to come to earth as a little baby. You know, what, what would be the point of Christmas if he's not needed? He could stay in heaven, you know, don't put himself through all that suffering, he's in this... Uh, he's in this great uh, sort of perfect relationship of, of three persons God the Father, God the Son and the Trinity he wouldn't have to come to earth that's okay, we wouldn't need Jesus to be born if he didn't have to die there's no need for the cross and if there's no need for the cross there's no need for the manger we don't need him, we don't need Christmas in that way but we also knew that the again you know we're talking about um, in Luke chapter two that we read at the barn, we were thinking about the angels arriving and speaking to the shepherds. They knew what was going on. They knew that Easter was coming and so they knew that Christmas was necessary. The angels praise that Christmas is in part because they knew what was going to come next. They knew the next part of the story. They knew that there was a plan unfolding. It wasn't for them just the Christmas story. They're appearing to the angels and saying, yeah, Jesus is born, let's celebrate. But the reason they're celebrating, the reason they want to do that is because they know Calvary's coming. They're saying, and and in one way, all all the, all the, the Gospels are about this, almost all the Bible is about this. The angels are saying, hooray for Jesus. Hooray for Jesus. He's our boy. Give glory to God, because Jesus is the Son of God, and he's going to save his people. But as well as saving us by dying, he also saved us by giving us his own church word, his own righteousness. He gave us, who believe in him, his good relationship with God. Uh, If he was going to do that, he had to live a perfect life. If he's got to live a perfect life, how can he live a perfect life if he isn't born? If he isn't actually, if he doesn't come at Christmas? If he doesn't have to do that, we don't need Christmas. He doesn't have to be born. The Christ child does not have to be born in a manger. Without Easter, Christmas is just another nice Bible story with a happy ending. The suffering, the death, the burial and the resurrection 
it becomes a much more important story. It becomes a story of, it becomes a part of the bigger story where God saves his people. But it's also true the other way around that there is no Easter without Christmas. That's why we sang an Easter song, the first song there. See what a morning. Uh, one of the Iranian guys was saying to me, what, what would have happened if God had not chosen to send his son? What had happened if God loved his son more and the world less? And had said, you know, forget it. They deserve it. They've got it coming. I mean, look how they are. Look how they are. Just, just, just the way in which they don't love me. They don't pay attention to me. I've sent them all the prophets. They're not listening. I've given them the law. Man, why, why should I send my son to die for them? Why should I put my son through that kind of torture and agony for them? They don't deserve it. Is true. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what would have happened if there had been no Christmas? If he'd never actually sent his son? Without Christmas there would be no Easter. If Jesus had not laid down his life for his people, then he would have no people. God would have no people. That's okay. God does not need us. You know, never think that, never think that the reason why God is saving us because he, is because he needs us, because he needs his love, our love in that way. He doesn't. He's perfectly okay. Yeah, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, they talk to each other all the time. They're in a loving and a caring relationship. It's okay. They're, they're very happy. They do not need you and me. If Jesus had not laid down his life, God would have no people for himself. Jesus has existed uh, perfectly. He's perfectly content. They're satisfied with each other. Jesus did not need to come in that way. But God so loved the world. You know, we think about God and we say that God is love. You want a proof of that? It's the... There it is in the Christmas story that he sent his son. There it is in the Easter story that his son would die for us. He knew that was the only way to save the people. For Jesus to save his people, he needs to die for us. To die for us, he first has to live for us. To live for us, he has to be first born for us. To be born for us, he first has to leave heaven and come to earth. And that is why there has to be Christmas if there's going to be Easter. You know, the Son of God, Jesus, had an unprecedented place in heaven. As the Son of God, he was uh, the star. He was, he was the, the Bible calls him, uh, the star of the morning. He was... He was in no pain, no fear, no discomfort. He was secure in his place within the, in the Trinity. Uh, he had an act, unparalleled access to his father. Uh, he had all the angels as his beck and call. And God says to him, 
Okay, you've got to give all that up and go to earth at Christmas time. You've got to put all that behind. Not only that, but you've got to go, suffer and die. Because if you don't, we won't be able to save this group of people. He becomes, he becomes human. Jesus, who is fully God, becomes suddenly fully man. He experiences then everything we experience. He's born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph. How, how, could, we, how could we really relate to Christ if he'd stayed in a spiritual form? You know, isn't, I don't know whether you would agree with this, I think one of the things I find most attractive about Jesus is the fact that he was human, that he knew life as I know life. Although he, he suffered, I suspect, much more. Particularly when he came to the, the cross, he suffered a thousand times more than I could ever suffer. But he was hungry, like I was hungry sometimes. He was tired like I am tired. Sometimes he was uh, angry. Sometimes he was discouraged in the way that I am. And so I can perhaps relate to him a bit better because he has been born as a human, as a baby at Christmas. So it's like me, you, so you, perhaps you feel that, you're, that you're in this strange time of year between Christmas and the New Year. Uh, you know, a bit, of a, a bit of a loose end perhaps, a bit like, you know, what's going on? Will you join me in spending some time reflecting on the fact that that Christmas, that Easter, these other things that we know are, are chapters, are, are parts of a much bigger plan. Uh, the whole Bible is the story of God saving a people for himself. Uh, the whole Bible is the story of God saying, let's save them and bring them to myself. Uh, that's true. Uh, uh, Christmas is part of that. Easter is part of that. But, but they only capture a part of it. They only capture a part of the whole glorious story. In one way, we shouldn't just celebrate that at particular times of year. In one way, we should celebrate it every day. Every day because of what God has done. We only see it dimly at the moment. Because, because we are human when we read the Bible and we hear what he's done, we, we only see it imperfectly. A bit like uh, a bit like looking into a room that's got frosted glass. You know, you can see the shape, you can see what's going on, but you don't see everything. Uh, but we do see the big stuff. We do see the main things. God knows that the way to save his people, his best option is to send his own son uh, to be our saviour. Knowing what the price is, knowing that to achieve it, Christ has to become fully human, born to a human mother. Jesus has to die to save us. In order to die, he's got to be born. 
And so in these, these chapters we see, see the big story, the great, the great picture. A plan to save a people for all eternity. And all the time people are saying, the angels are saying, God is saying, look at that guy Jesus. Look at my son. He's the best. He is the greatest. He is the one who's going to do it. He's the one who's going to achieve it. He's the one who's going to pay the price. He is the one who I am then going to give everything to. Everything will come under his rule. Isn't he incredible? Isn't he perfect? What a great king. Do you know what he did? Do you know how much he suffered? So this Christmas time. Let us remember the reason for the season. But remember that that reason is not just in the Christmas story. That reason is actually every day. And that reason is that Jesus came into the world to save us. Let's pray together.